So it's Friday, last day of school. The school bell rings, the kids are out. It's school holidays, oh bless them. Check's date of when they'll be returning to school. Shoot, that's a whole month plus that. Oh sweet, they're so happy and it's so expensive. Being a working parent to kids 8, 6 and 1 is pretty hectic on school holidays because they don't understand that their big days don't necessarily mean my big days. And it doesn't necessarily mean immediate holiday mode for all of us especially us as parents. So how do we navigate it? To be honest, I'm the queen of delegating. It's expensive and has been quite expensive, but it is an expensive sanity. From painting dates, arts and craft at home, whilst they paint onto my furniture, oh bless them, to holiday care programs, book clubs, golf days whilst I sit and have a spritzer, right up to sending them to their gran in Bulugwane and upgrading her DSTV so they can watch all their favorite programs, invite all their friends over for that 7pm Animania movie and popcorn. That's honestly how I'm navigating it. It works for us. What's your strategy? This is The Sit Down with Olwe Tule Shabani, a podcast for women everywhere who are exploring the art of superwoman. Joining me on the sit-down today is Carmen de Cloiso. She is a Cape Town-born, Kimberley-based wife and mom. Carmen works as a speech-language therapist with a Bachelor of Science degree in speech-language pathology from the University of Cape Town and a Master's degree in early childhood intervention from the University of Pretoria. She is currently working for the Inclusive Education Unit at the Department of Education in Kimberley, where she services learners who present with barriers to learning and education in our public ordinary. Full service, and special schools. Most importantly, Carmen has a special interest in multilingualism, as almost all of the learners she works with in mainstream school settings are multilingual. Hello, Carmen. Thank you so much for joining me on The Sit Down. Hi, thank you so much for having me all too. I'm well. How are you? Fine, thank you. So let's get straight into it. This is ex- what you do is extremely interesting. I've never heard of language pathology to start off with. Um, <laughs> and then another thing is that language, the language pathology and speech therapy. Can you draw some parallels between the two for me and explain and break down what those mean? Okay, basically the degree um, at the university of Cape Town is called speech and language pathology. Mm-hmm. So when you graduate as a speech therapist, you actually graduate as a speech language pathologist. Okay. Um, we use the term therapist, I think, because it's it's more widely known, it's more widely accepted um, as well. But yeah, in America as well, they graduate with a degree in speech pathology. Um, so it's basically just looking at communication disorders, um, swallowing and feeding disorders, and it's quite broad. Mm. I think a lot broader actually realize it is um but yeah that's basically it so speech therapy and speech pathology same thing mm. so many homes in south africa are multilingual common and there are mm. differing school um schools of thought around the um around parenting on how to navigate this um some people advise that you stick to one language i remember taking my child to immunization and the nurse said how many languages do you guys speak at home and mm. um with all my children I'm Klasa, dad is Betty, they speak English at school, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. Um, nanny is Sutu. So <laughs> there's all these languages that we're navigating in the home. Um, and we've never been able to just stick to one language because when mm-hmm. I discipline, I discipline in Klasa. <laughs> when dad disciplines, it's in Betty. Mm-hmm. And then their nanny will speak Sutu to them and then they go to school and it's English. And then they're also yeah. learning French and they're learning Mandarin at school. So... What is your advice around language? Will it confuse the children? Is that that true? 
I think what's so important and what you mentioned is that many of the households in South Africa look like yours today. Um, there are so many different languages, myself included. Um, my husband is Setswana speaking. I come from a predominantly English background, background um, and my parents are Afrikaans speaking. I remember when I had my son, the first thing my mom said was, he's not going to be able to understand me. You won't know Afrikaans. Mm. Um, and you sort of just have to laugh it off, you know. Um, but I think one of, one of my biggest issues, if I can use the word issues, or one of the biggest things that I try to really promote and advocate for is that bilingualism or multilingualism, as we know it, especially in South Africa, um, look, multilingualism in our country is, 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 is the norm. Um, but one of the biggest myths that I try to dispel is that bilingualism or multilingualism in itself will not cause a speech and language delay. Okay. Um, Yes, I think I think that is the biggest one of the most or that is the biggest myth that there is out there. Um, a lot of people are advised to only speak one language. And I think culturally it's unfair. Um, I cannot expect my Setswana husband not to speak his mother tongue to my son. Um, it just it closes so many doors. It breaks down family relations as well. So I think that that's a whole other side topic. But yeah. In terms of, of language and in terms of children and in terms of babies especially, I think we need to remember that they are born with such plastic brains, you know, we call it neuroplasticity, mm. that they are able to, even as babies, pick up the differences in different languages. And a lot of monolingual speakers and bilingual speakers, if you look at speech and language development, they actually develop the same. The pattern is the same. Um, what is important to remember, especially with bilingual speakers, is that um, there are some variations in the acquisition of two languages simultaneously at the same time. But in essence, the pattern of development is the same. I don't know if that, that makes sense. So I've got a one-year-old right now and um, mm -hmm. he's, he's 20 months. And, you mm -hmm. know, when you talk to him, you, you across the languages you have I'll just use shoe as an example a shoe mm -hmm. in Sipedi Kisiete a shoe in Susutu Kisitlaugu a shoe in Kosa Isitlaugu and then it's shoes in English so mm -hmm. with, with that whether you when you whether you use it doesn't matter whether you, um, what language you use to address him and say, go put on your shoes, go put on um, He understands all of them. But I find that he struggles to be able to say what it is because he's not sure how he should address it right now. So um, is, is that a form of delay or is that him still trying to make sense of who am I speaking to and what context should I talk to them in? Um, and then I'll also bring it to my elder sons they have they still have and had this thing that they cannot speak spady to mommy because mommy speaks closer um yes. they, they made sense in their heads that we need to just stick to closer when we address this one we need to stick yeah. to spady when we address this one and you won't understand if you know they, they even i found them gossiping about me in front of me speaking spady because they thought she won't understand um yeah so is you know would in the in, in the context of my one year old is he having a speech delay due to all these languages overwhelming him, or is it just a I'm trying to understand who 
would um, well, who I'd need to address in which way. Mm. One of the strategies that I always um, speak about as well is one person, one language. When you are speaking, when you are using multiple languages in the home. There are, of course, many other strategies. It doesn't have to be like that, but there is a strategy known as one person, one language. So I will, for instance, like you maybe speak Isikosa to your kids and your husband will speak Sepedi. I'll speak English to my son and my husband speaks Setwana to him. And I think even when I think back on my own experience, um, growing up in, in sort of a bilingual home, I knew who to speak what language to as well. And I think that is all dependent on who is actually speaking that language to me. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is any kind of speech delay. Um, I think the fact that he can actually understand a concept or, you know, that shoe means this in so many, and it means something or it's something else in so many different languages at the age of one is actually quite spectacular. Mm. <laughs> um, as we know, that understanding obviously comes before expressive language. So we look when we're looking at receptive language, we, we expect receptive language to sort of develop the understanding of language to develop before we are actually also able to use it expressively. Um, and I think that's probably the stage where he's at right now with all the different languages is being able to understand what each person is saying and actually execute the instruction or follow through on the direction is actually amazing for a one-year-old with so many different um, languages in one home, I'd say. I don't necessarily think it means that there's, there's anything wrong. Mm. It is probably just part of that normal development still. Yeah. And what other benefits are there for his young mind in knowing all these languages and being able to take in all these languages developmentally? How, like, what are the other benefits? Mm. You know, I actually just read a quote this morning while I was reading up a little bit as well. Um, and it said, being bilingual is like giving your brain a workout. Mm. And I think that that is so important. I think we underestimate the power, especially in our country, of being appropriately and effectively bilingual or multilingual. There are a lot of other issues um, that go with it. We we we. we a whole other topic is the socioeconomic status of many of the people in our country. And, you know, obviously the language of learning and teaching at schools and adding another language and all those things. And they do come with complications. But I think at the core of it, if it's done in an ideal situation, in an ideal environment, like your home, for example, being bilingual strengthens cognitive skills. Hmm. Um, again, to always take it back to culture. I think multilingualism and multiculturalism, especially in our country, is a big thing. Um, there's so much benefit to be able to interact and to be able to speak and just relate to extended family in their own language when it comes to that. We see that our kids who are multilingual or, or effectively multilingual or bilingual mm. are a lot more creative. They are better at problem solving. They're able to focus more on, on relevant information. And, you know, there's all the other things as well. As they get older, there are more job opportunities. Um, the, the, I think, I think that, yeah, the, the, the biggest thing is that we need to realize that it is an advantage. I think because of our country's history, I think because of past language policies, 
in our country, we are sort of prone to think that it is a bad thing and that we should stick to one language. But not at all, in my experience, not at all. Okay. Um, so for people who are worried about the issues of confusing words and mixing up the two, like two or more languages um, during a child's development stages, how can we ensure that our children, besides the um, having one person speak one language to a child, what are other ways in which we can discern which vocabulary belongs to which cat, um, category for children or ensuring that your child is still multilingual, uh, multilingual but is not mixing up the languages into one <laughs> yeah. Okay, so when we look at at, 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 at um, acquisition of, of bilingualism or multilingualism, I think I should just stick to one. I think I'm going to stick to multilingualism. <laughs> but when we look at the acquisition of multilingualism, there's actually two ways in which a child um, or a baby or a toddler can acquire the language. And one of them is simultaneously, which is the two languages are being acquired at the same time. And the other is sequentially. So I have a strong base or a strong oral proficiency in my first language. And then maybe when I get to preschool or get to school, um, I add another language on top of that. Mm. Um, but when we look at the typical or normal development for simultaneous acquisition of two languages, mixing languages at the age of about two to three years is actually normal. It's typical. Mm. It's part of development. Um, and if you don't know that, you might see it as delayed or you might see it as a language impairment because what on earth is this child doing? Mm. Um, but we, it's actually something that we expect. It's something that we expect to happen. Before that even, we expect for language blend. Um, they might even start to use one word and the first half of the word is English and the second half of the word is Setswana. The only thing that we don't want is for those things to persist. But while they are still in the stage of acquiring language, those things are actually normal. Um, and I think that is important to remember. It's just to know that there is typical development, there is phases of development, mm. um, and it might appear as though my child is delayed, it might appear as though he is confused, but it's actually normal. It's part of acquiring two languages at the same time. At what point should I be worried? Mm. <laughs> when, is it, when would it be a cause for concern? Yes. I think we don't want those things to persist beyond a certain point. I think if at 30 months or 36 months, which is three years, mm. your child is still mixing languages or your child has a countable number of words in both languages together. I'm not always an advocate for word counting when it comes to development. You know, it's, it's quite difficult to count the words. Mm. But if at 30 months you can count the number of words your child uses in both languages together, like it's countable. Mm. Like, I mean, 200, 300 words is not countable for me. It will take me forever. But if I can count 10 words, and I know these are the only 10 words my kid uses in both languages at the age of 30 months, then I would maybe seek some professional help, um, have him go for an assessment, do okay. some language intervention with a speech and language therapist. Okay. Um, yeah. In your bio, you call yourself an advocate for your profession and an avid believer in early intervention for both neurotypical and neurodiverse children. 
firstly, I want to understand what is neurotypical, what is neurodiverse <laughs> before I get into the actual question that I want to ask you. Okay, when we speak of neurotypical children, it's, it's, it's you know, we, we sort of have to be sensitive to the terminology that we use these days. Mm. Um, so neurotypical, when we refer to neurotypical, is, typically, is what we usually refer to as children that follow the normal pattern of development. Whereas neurodiverse children may have follow a different pattern of development because maybe of a diagnosis, such okay. as autism, for example, yeah. So not what we would typically expect of kiddies to do at a certain time. Okay. So how do we then ensure multilingualism for neurodiverse children? Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's very tricky. And I'm going to use autism as an example again, because um, I think autism is also it's quite a hot topic. A lot of people are sort of familiar with autism. Um, so when we're looking at, at autism and multilingualism, I think it's important to remember that, that multilingualism and autism can coexist. Um, but having said that, not to forget that autism is complex mm. and multilingualism is complex. So it can exist. And although multilingualism might not be detrimental, it is complex in mm. terms of neurodiverse populations. Um, I mean, with autism comes limited communicative intent. They don't really initiate conversation with you. They need to be taught all those things. So that's important to keep in mind when introducing a second language to a kitty who is neurodiverse. Um, I'm not saying that it cannot exist. In my experience, I've seen it. I've seen it in kitties. I've seen kitties who are very Afrikaans mm. um, and have autism and are equally brilliant when they speak English. Um, it's not that it cannot coexist, but it's important to keep in mind that it is complex. So it's just to take, to take more time with, with regards to that. Okay. Yes, yes. And the last question is, if my child only knows a certain word for something, so only knows libisi when it comes to milk and only knows amanzi when it comes to water um, and doesn't, like, is, is not able to know that there are other words with regards to something um, in the different categories or in the different languages. Does this leave gaps for their vocabulary building blocks? Dave, when, when, we look, when, we, when we're looking at, at simultaneous acquisition, simultaneous acquisition of two or more languages, mm. um, let's stick to two languages, um, I, I try to view it as exactly the same as I view a child who is only learning one language. So a child who is only learning one language will know milk in English and will know water. But just because my child is speaking I think Libis, um, Isikosa and Libisi is Sutu. Mm. Yeah, just because they are saying those two words in different languages doesn't mean that he's at a disadvantage to the English or the monolingual child who is only, who is only speaking English, for example, and using milk and water. Um, it, it, it goes back to the word count thing that I was speaking about um, if my child is using Lebisi and my child is using Amansi and he is 
exposed to both languages. Mm. And I know that at 18 months, my child should have a, a vocabulary of approximately 50 words. I count them as one word each okay. because he's learning the two languages together. So viewing it the same, um, the acquisition of language is very dynamic. Um, and it's important to, to, as parents, I think, to know that if he's learning both languages at once, I think it's taking us back to the language mixing thing. Mm. Um, it's okay for him to be using different words for different things. And he doesn't have to know yet, you know, at yeah. one or two years that, that, that there is milk, for example. Milk and Lebesi is the same thing. Um, I think my son, he's, he's 18 months as well, and he, oh, he's, he's a year and a half, and he just this week only realized that Metsi is water as well. Mm. And now he's water. <laughs> but the whole time he was only saying Metsi. Um, and it's like something just clicked in his brain this week. It's like, wow, if she speaks about water, it's actually this Metsi thing that my dad also speaks about. Okay. But the whole time he was using Metsi and the whole time, it was fine. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not wanting him to know that water is messy in English as well. It's part of his vocabulary development and eventually he'll get there. Mm. What What is that benefit as well of when that click happens in that child? Um, mm. what, what, is, what can that be called? Is, is it something linked to, is it a growth? Is it a, um, them, that realization that they have you know, what does it do for their overall development as well when they click that, wait, Libisi is also milk? Yeah, um, I think they, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of development. Again, I know I'm saying that a lot. Mm. <laughs> um, but eventually they'll get to a stage where the two languages actually separate. Okay. Um, so I think that realization is just the beginning of, wow. Remember um, as babies and even though they can they can detect the smallest differences in sounds as babies they don't know yet. Mm. But as they grow and as they mature, it's eventually just that separation of language. Um, and eventually, I think one day you'll just wake up and you realize, and I'm sure you've seen it with your boys as well, and it's amazing that these guys actually understand more than two languages. Yeah. And like you said, they know what language to speak to what person. Um and it's actually so amazing when bilingualism and multilingualism is fostered in an ideal environment and it's stimulated in that way. Um, because like we said previously, the, 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 benefits are, are, the benefits of being multilingual in today's day and ages is, is, I mean, I think there's nothing like it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Carmen. Thank you so much for sharing so much insight into this. This is something that's also bothered me for a very long time and being worried about my children's development and the way we're just pushing so many languages. And you get told quite often that stick to one language and allow the child to develop themselves and get into the other languages at a later stage. So it's very encouraging to know that we're doing it right and we've, we've been getting it okay all along. Yes, I think I think it's important to remember that that kiddies can acquire another language at a later stage, um, and then to make sure that they, you know their, their first language or their home language they have great oral proficiency in that language, you know, mm. and they are effective communicators in that language. Um, they are able to then acquire another language 
And then another thing that I also wanted to say, especially with the development, um, is, yeah, so they are able to acquire another language, but also that simultaneous acquisition of the language is not impossible, and it's not detrimental to their development. Um, and also always to remember that there is always a window of development. Mm. If I'm expecting the first words for at maybe 12, 11, 12 months, from 11 months maybe to 15 months, you know, maybe some kiddies who are acquiring more than one language at the same time um, might take a bit longer than other kiddies, but it will still be within normal range, you know, if there is nothing wrong. A monolingual child might say their first words at 12 months and a bilingual child might say their first words at 15 months, mm. but it's still in the normal range. It doesn't mean that it is that delayed, you know, if anything else is there. And I think that's also very really important to remember. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carmen. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's time for Parenting Confessions, where you get to ask my take on a parenting dilemma or problem. Sometimes I'll invite a friend off the sit-down or an expert to come through and help me answer your questions. Voice notes and email details are all in the episode notes, so do hit me up. All right, here we go. The first parenting confession is from on Instagram at what age do you think is a good time to start going out with baby example park or vacations I do not subscribe to keeping the child in the house until their three months thing I do not subscribe to keeping yourself cocooned in the house until they tell you as the elders that you're ready to come out so I'm not the traditional mom and that's it I literally take my children out when I'm ready. So if I mean, in the case of my first two, I went through C-sections. So I think it was about five, six weeks when I was healed, where I first went out with them, went to the coffee shop for a coffee, um, and with Malik, literally the day he was born, we left the hospital, um, or the birthing center that I, um, I gave birth in. And within a week, we were out and about in the streets, enjoying coffees with friends, and just relaxing and going shopping. So it really does differ, but times have changed. We've modernized, um, vaccinations have gotten better. Children's immune systems are more, you know, although they're still young and more susceptible to a lot of things, their immune systems aren't really that vulnerable, if I can call it that um, right now. I'm not a medical doctor or medical um, practitioner of any sort, but my children have literally survived everything so far. The second parenting confession is from petite underscore p on Instagram. Hi Oluetu, it's my first pregnancy and giving birth next year Feb. Is it a must to attend prenatal classes? I attended prenatal classes with my first baby to really just figure out exactly what happens during childbirth. You don't know what you don't know. So if you can get as much information as possible, read up, go online. But I also find that the same tools you get at parenting classes are things that you find on YouTube, on podcasts, on social media. And that's all for Parenting Confessions um, this week. Do send your questions that I can answer via voice note or on emails, once again, that are in the episode notes. You've been listening to The Sit Down with Oluetu Lishabani, a podcast for women everywhere who are exploring the art of superwoman.